0: Well, we had a lot of thoughts and expectations when Dan Lanning got hired, particularly on the recruiting front as Oregon football's head coach, and he is doing his very best to deliver on that message. Here we go.
1: You are Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team
0: every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked on Ducks. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day, and your number one source to stay up to date with the Ducks. If you have not already, like, comment, subscribe, please, and thank you. Wherever you listen to or watch this show appreciate all you everydayers out there who are with me every day on audio or on youtube and we appreciate max torres as well he covers the ducks for fan nation at sports illustrated he's also the host of the ducks digest podcast we're going through spring game visitor lists we're going through storylines today we're just jam packed i sound like colin coward here jam packed on a thursday max how you doing buddy I'm great,
1: man. I'm great. Excited to uh, be back on the show. Appreciate you for having me as always. And um, yeah, man, it's uh, it's probably the biggest week in Oregon football, you know, between now and the start of the season, unless you want to throw the Saturday Night Live camp in there, uh, you know, in late July. Uh, but, you know, all the recruits are coming to town and, uh, you know, this
0: is a, a huge week for the, for the program. Yes, it, it most definitely is. And it's also, in terms of a spring game, you and I were talking about this before we hopped on to record, probably the most impressive visitor list that Oregon's ever had for a spring game. If you're just talking about blue chip prospects, number of five stars, big time recruits, I see Dan Lanning here trying to implement that vision that I think we all had as fans for him when he was hired uh, away from Georgia where he was the defensive Is We wanted him to recruit at a high level and build a, a butt kicking defense that starts in, in the trenches. And I think when you look at what he did in 2023 going heavy on the defensive line, he looks to be doing that again, at least early at this point in, in 2024, he's going after those big time recruits. And that's exactly, I think the vision that he's uh, sold to duck fans and that we want him to to try to implement. And this, this spring game this weekend, it's a big recruiting opportunity to try and get some of those guys.
1: Yeah, no, no doubt about it. I mean, I, I may not be the most experienced journalist out there. I've been covering the ducks for about four years, but this is definitely the the biggest recruiting visitor list I've ever seen personally uh, in my time covering Oregon and, and I've been trying to tell people you know all throughout the spring, even if there is you know a big name or two here or there coming on campus, it's all building towards the spring game being the marquee recruiting event, the biggest recruiting weekend uh, on Oregon's calendar from a recruiting standpoint, so the, the, the collection of talent is, is off the charts. Um, and I also think that you're also seeing patients paying dividends here because you saw a lot of top programs already have their spring games, you know, uh, you know, a while ago or last weekend. So there's not as much competition for Oregon, uh, fortunately, just you know competing with, hey, where are you going this weekend? So that's kind of made Eugene, Autzen Stadium on a Saturday, the place to be.
0: Yeah, and it's such a big recruiting pitch. And it's why it's important if you're listening to or watching this right now, go to the game, pack the house, make it a great environment. They did so last year and hopefully they'll be able to, to do so again. Cause recruits remember that sort of stuff, right? They, they want to feel like it's a place that's exciting. They want to feel like it's a place that's got support. That's got momentum. That's a, a quality program and all that sort of stuff. And, and fans are are absolutely a part of that. So if you're thinking about going, I unfortunately cannot make it out there this weekend. I would have thought about it, frankly, flying out from uh, Utah where I live and work, but uh, unfortunately, I have some other work responsibilities this weekend to attend to but the the visitor list of guys who are going to make it out to Eugene uh via flights or otherwise Max is is pretty darn impressive and uh we've we, we've compiled a a list here of, of expected visitors sometimes you know guys bail out at the last second or guys get added at the last second or whatnot but this is a list Max that, is is just really impressive and look you're not going to get every single one of these players of course there are other power five programs in the country that have got a lot of money that have got resources that have got appeal and great coaches and great recruiting staffs and whatnot but when I say and and you as well that Lanning and the staff are swinging for the fences a bit here this this recruiting (laughs) visiting lineup is is pretty indicative of that so the lineup goes as follows and I'm going to run down list off about I think there's maybe 15, 17 names on here. I forgot to count. But four-star quarterback, Michael Van Buren, who we talked about on yesterday's show. Four-star wide receiver, Jordan Anderson, who's already committed verbally to the Ducks. Four-star wideout, Jeremiah McClellan is reported to be there. That one's a little bit iffy, but he should be there. Three-star wide receiver, Terrell Bradshaw. Five-star offensive tackle Brandon Baker, who I believe, Max, is the number one tackle in the class of 2024. Yep. Yep. Um, three-star offensive tackle A.J. Burton. Five-star defensive lineman David Stone. Three-star defensive lineman T.J. Lindsey. Now, five-star edge Elijah Rushing, who we've talked about before and discussed yesterday, already visited uh, the Oregon campus. He shuffled things around, uh, because of his high school prom, which I respect. Um, you know, you can do a visit basically anytime you only get one, one, uh, well, I guess that'd be junior prom for him. but anyway, you know, you, you get the, the point there. So he's, he's, uh, already visited there. five-star edge, Dylan Stewart, five-star edge, Colin Simmons, four-star edge, Jamonte Waller, four-star edge, Jordan Ross, Five star linebacker Justin Williams, four star linebacker Kamar Mathuti, four star defensive back Miles Lockhart, four star safety Jason Mitchell, five star safety KJ Bolton. That's 16 by my count, max. And, and that's a lot of guys who are really high profile recruits.
1: Yeah, those, those names that you ran through, uh, you know, a lot of them are the top targets for Oregon. In this 2024 class, and I think the important point to, to mention here, Spencer, is that for a lot of those guys, it's not their first time in Eugene, or they were just recently in Eugene, as you know, is the case with uh, with Michael Van Buren and, and Luke Moga, um, you know, those are some of the biggest visitors, you know, everyone wants to talk about the quarterback conversation. But I think for me, um, you know, where the attention really lies is along that defensive line, um, and, and for good reason, because I've said a bunch of times that I feel like Oregon's defensive line has been good, but not great and certainly not up to the level that it needs to be for the Ducks to win their first national championship or to go back to the playoff. And you can see right in front of your eyes when you're bringing guys like these in, you know, David Stone, who who just got added, um, or, you know, Colin Simmons, or, you know, rushing, who is just here. You're seeing the priority being placed on the defensive line position, on, on the edge position. Um, you know, Justin Williams is, is a big linebacker that the Ducks have been in a good spot. I thought he was going to commit to Oregon, you know, back in the fall, but he decided to pump the brakes a little bit. Um, and then Kamar Matuti is a guy that I have predicted to Oregon um, as of right now. So the, the collection of talent really, I think caters to Oregon's needs and um, you know, uh, the, the momentum that Oregon has built leading up to this is, is pretty significant as well. Uh, landing a couple of commitments and, you know, Aaron flowers, he's going to be there this weekend, t- big time safety out of Texas, Oregon wins out over USC in that one. Um, and uh, Jackson Jones, edge rusher out of Arizona, he's going to be there. He's already committed to Oregon. So, I think when you when you combine the big time targets as well as a number of commits being on campus, I think it really lays out well for Oregon and, and projects well for them to to make this a heck of a weekend and to generate some serious buzz on the recruiting trail.
0: Yeah and, and by the way, those, those five star guys, you know David Stone, Brandon Baker, Dylan Stewart, Colin Simmons, Justin Williams, and KJ Bolden, those are all like top 510 at their position in the country in in the 2024 class like these are big, big names and we'll see who kind of gains traction with oregon who they're able to you know form the best relationships with i I think of all the five stars that are in there elijah rushing is probably the guy the ducks are closest with at at this point in time but there's a lot of time between now and that first national signing day in december or a second one in uh, february of course but of all the guys here Where should Oregon's priorities be? Not where your priorities should be, which is going out and getting your next box of built bars. Because if you're looking for a delicious snack, but you don't want all the sugar and calories, you need the best tasting protein bar ever built. You got to try it. They have amazing flavors. They've just unveiled a new flavor. It's a peanut butter puff. It's a amazing 100 real chocolate is what they're covered in that's why they taste so great they've got a bunch of great flavors as well peanut butter brownie churro i'm a mint brownie guy cookies and cream they've got everything 130 calories four grams of sugar whopping 17 grams of protein go to your local walmart or sam's club while you still can to get your specialty flavors as well at built.com built.com not clom com c-o-m just kind of you know normal internet stuff there so built.com walmart sam's club get your next order of built bars bunch of great flavors high protein low calorie low sugar great taste all right let's breathe that simple. one really took it out of you didn't it i i know some sometimes <laughs> you get on a roll like that and i'm just like so excited about built bars that I forget to say my energy here. So of of all the of the sixteen guys that I listed off earlier, Max, I, I think Elijah Rushing is going to be a high priority one. Michael Van Buren certainly a quarterback in uh, in the mix there as well. But is there any other name on this list that really stands out to you as someone that Oregon needs to have as as a high priority? Sure, sure. Yeah, just just to give my two cents real quick, I think that it is important that they
1: prioritize Van Buren and Moga. Um, I think, you know, the, the announcement of return visits for both of those guys, Moga was just on campus. Moga delayed his commitment. I think that that kind of tells me that they're pretty intent or at least seriously considering taking two quarterbacks in this class. And they're kind of zeroing in on both of those guys. Um, so it's going to give them a chance to, you know, meet each other and, you know, for them to float the idea out like, Hey, what if we were to take both of you guys, you know, how would you kind of uh, wrap your head around that? Cause not every court, like Oregon might want to do that, but not every quarterback that they're recruiting might be okay with that. So I think that's something to, to consider for sure. But aside from those guys, uh, I think that Brandon Baker is absolutely a major priority um, along the offensive line. You know, he was someone that Oregon was in great shape with uh, when uh, Adrian Clem and Vianne Talamay Vow were on the staff. And then when I talked to him and asked him recently uh, about kind of what the departures meant for his recruitment, he was saying it was like a little bit of a reset in his relationships, not as far as like, you know, they're not in a good spot anymore. Obviously, he's not going to say that, um, and that's not the case, but this is his first chance to to meet Alik Terry. You know, this is the guy that Alik Terry wants to to spend his time with this weekend. Um, you, know, you know, it's notable that there's not a whole lot of offensive linemen visiting, right? So that means that Alik Terry can really prioritize him and, and you know, give him at that one-on-one time. Um, so I think that he's an absolute priority, especially, um, given the situation on the offensive line, you've got to keep bringing in guys. This year's a little bit of a, you know, a mixture of returners and veterans. So you want to keep, keep that talent coming in. Um, a couple of other quick names I'll hit on. Um, I think Miles Lockhart is, is definitely a big time name to, to watch defensive back and specifically corner out of, uh, Basha and Chandler, former teammates with Cole Martin. Uh, he's, he's heading to Eugene this weekend and he loves Oregon and Oregon has a really good shot there. But when I last talked to him, he was pretty adamant, pretty straight up that Ohio state leads in his recruitment right now. So this is an opportunity for the ducks to try to make up some ground. And we know that Demetrius Martin, he's right up there with the best of them when it comes to recruiting, he, he took home PAC 12 recruiter of the year for the 23 cycle. Uh, so I think that he is a big time name for the ducks to try to prioritize, um, you know, lots of corners are looking at, but he's someone to keep an eye on. The last one I'm going to talk about might be a little bit of a sleeper, if you could call it that. And it's TJ Lindsay, the defensive lineman out of Arkansas. Nice. Uh, this is a guy that, uh, Tony Tuioti flew across the country to Arkansas to go see during the off season. He went out to Arkansas to see one of TJ's basketball games. And, you know, that's not an easy trip um that you know for the the staff to make so i think that that tells you a little bit about where he's at in terms of on their big board you know a couple other guys that i've talked to on that on the staff say that they really think that he's special um a special talent and they need help in the trenches on the defensive line like i mentioned um but it's worth mentioning this guy's been all over the country tons of big visits he started blowing up at the adidas all-american bowl combine um in in January so it's it's nice to see Oregon trying to to get in on somebody that uh you know a lot of people are seeing project to the next level so those are kind of three four five guys that uh you know I kind of think that Oregon needs to prioritize this weekend during the spring game
0: yeah I I think when I examine this list and look at the the different positions that that are going to be there I'm I'm a big believer that your number one recruit defensively has got to be edge. I, like That's got to be where your best players are, at least on the defensive line. And we saw what happened when Oregon couldn't get pressure consistently this, this past season. right? You compare that to what they had the previous year, which was not a great defense, but a better defense at least, just by the presence of one elite pass rusher in, in Kayvon Thibodeau. And you look at 2019, and that defense was so, so good. They had, you know, decent linebackers. Troy Dye was a good player. That Isaac Isaac Slade, Slade Matotia, and uh, there's somebody else who I'm forgetting in that uh, in in that linebacker core from 2019. But that was the last good Oregon defense that the Ducks had, and it was about the secondary having several NFL players on it. Amador Lenore, starter in the NFL. Javon Holland, stud. Thomas Graham, NFL player. McKinley rotated in. Brady Breeze, like you had a lot of good players, and then you had. Brandon Dorless is a younger player on the defensive line, but you had Kayvon Thibodeau, who by the end of the year was a force, was a dominant pass rusher for the Ducks. So I, I look at the edge players and say, you know, I, I want to have at least one five-star defensive lineman in every class for Dan Lanning of the Ducks. I think you just, you'd just you love to be able to get two or, or three in a class, but I think you got to be able to consistently get one. And, and the other name, and then I'll let you jump in here, Max. I look at K.J. Bolden, the safety, and, and say – you're losing a lot of safeties after this year. Now you have a couple of four stars waiting in the wings, Tyler Turner and Cody to camera, but you never know what those sorts of guys like they were decently highly sought after recruits, but they're not necessarily immediate impact players, but you're going to lose, uh, you know, Evan Williams is out of eligibility. Brian Addison's out of eligibility. Steve Stevens will be out. I think Jamal Hill uh, will, will, so be out. Jamal Hill out. Now. what's that? The linebacker now, but yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. Good Yeah, good point. Good point. My bad, my bad. I forgot for a moment. But so I, I think that's a position going forward where I'd say, yeah, I would take a highly re- recruited player at the safety spot.
1: Yeah. And, and I think that I don't, it's hard to tell how much of a shot Oregon really has with KJ Bolden, because if you just look like literally just look up his profile and I'm pretty sure he's the top player in Georgia, like that's not someone that Kirby Smart's going to let get out of the borders. You know, he's going to want to keep those Probably. top guys home. Or maybe Nick Saban comes in and takes someone out. So, like, there's so much competition for Oregon to get through. But as we've seen, you know, never underestimate the power of one visit. Um, And I think that for a lot of these big names that Oregon maybe isn't necessarily viewed as a serious player for, like Colin Simmons or Dylan Stewart, you know, there hasn't been a ton of mutual interest there in terms of visits. You know, you always got to keep an eye on the visits because someone can say they want to go to Oregon or they love Oregon or whatever school. But if you're not showing up, then I think that says a lot about where your interests really lie. Um, but that being said, you bring all these big time guys on campus and maybe it goes so well, they say, oh, Hey, I want to come back for an official. Um, and and I think that that's, that's something that can, can really, you know, pay dividends. Um, I can't remember exactly what the other point I was going to say. Oh, edge. We were talking about edge. Um, yeah, I think that the edge rusher position obviously has to be a major priority. I know that Colin Simmons has been kind of trending towards LSU. I know, uh, David Stone was, was in Oklahoma recently. But um, I think Dylan Stewart's an interesting player to watch just because he's from DC. I mean, the, the Ducks were going after Nicholas Harbor out of DC this past year. Obviously, things didn't work out and he ended up going to South Carolina. But I think that they are prioritizing the DMV area uh, pretty heavily under Dan Lanning, at least in this 24 cycle. They got Colin Gill in 23. He's a defensive back out of St. John's. And then you also have Michael Van Buren, who's out of Baltimore. So um, I think that the DMV area is particularly fascinating to me because. It's an area that's obviously way east, um, but you know, I I kind of—I don't know if I want to compare it to Florida. I'm not saying that their talent level is the exact same because Florida is just unreal. But it's really difficult to get into Florida, is what I'm saying. So seeing them kind of trying to test the water some more in DC and and having some good results early on is is something I think to to follow because that's an area that's always going to have talent.
0: What does DMV stand for?
1: Uh, DC, Maryland, and Virginia.
0: or district of columbia maryland i was i was trying i knew it was what you used to refer to that particular area but i was trying to like play out the acronym in my head i'd gotten to a lot of different places and uh that was that was not one of them so thank you for the uh the the clarification there um let's let's talk about the spring game itself max only about 500 different storylines to watch whether that's you know does ty thompson develop how does the offensive line look is Kyler Casper playing what's the defense like if I just ask you off the top two biggest storylines in the spring game what would you say
1: yeah i think i think yeah the the um the Willstein offense just seeing what that looks like and how it maybe compares to Kenny Dillingham i think that'll be interesting although admittedly it's going to be hard to get a read on it because of the way the teams are divided i think we'll probably ask someone will probably ask landing about kind of the, the plan for the team division um, you know, at today's media availability. Um, but the case in point is that you're not going to have all your best guys together on either side of the ball. Um, but uh, the Will Stein offense, you know, what does it look like? Um, you know, what can we take away from it? Because spring games are naturally so vanilla. I think that's going to be something that's really interesting. But, you know, and just in terms of plays, formations, how does it maybe look different there? Um, you know, who do we see at, at tight end, given the, the injuries that the Ducks are dealing with? But then on defense, I'm going to be looking at the corners. I think the corners are the group that I'm definitely the most interested in right now. I've been told that the defensive line looks just crazy fast, um, you know, by some of the people that have been able to watch the spring game, something that, or sorry, the scrimmages, uh, which is, you know, traditionally closed to the media. Um, So I'm going to be looking at the corners because everyone wants to talk about replacing Christian Gonzalez. You got Kyrie Jackson who comes over from Alabama. How does he look? Uh, You got Cole Martin as one of the younger guys, Solomon Davis as a younger guy. Um, that's a, that's a, a group that has very high expectations this year. And I think that they really need to, to step up if this Oregon defense wants to get to the level and wants to get to the, you know, achievements that Dan Lanning really has his sights set on
0: the, the other group. I, I'm, I'm with you on the corners and I, I, would want to piggyback off that. I think the safeties and, and the Jamal Hill transition Sure. Also kind of a big like the the whole defense really is interesting to watch because you have so many new components and you have so many areas of growth that we're going to we're going to be looking for, you know, in the game and then hopefully carrying that over into next season. So I'm definitely interested in the cornerback depth chart. But I think the safeties, you've got a lot of different things at play there. Steve Stevens got mentioned by I think it was Demetrius Martin as a really good communicator recently one of his post-practice pressers. And he's, you know, really valuable in that sense. And Steve Stevens has played a lot of football for the ducks. He's had some decent moments, but I would consider him a guy who is replaceable. If you have a transfer coming in like a Taishim Johnson or an Evan Williams, who you feel like you can get more production out of, like, If Stevens is there, okay, I know what I'm getting. He's decent, solid, starting caliber player, no doubt. But not an all-conference guy, not a high-impact player. And so with the new safeties that are coming in, I wonder what that rotation looks like as well. Because you've got Addison. I really like Brian Addison. I think he was Oregon's best safety consistently last year. And in terms of playing over the top and actually roaming, making plays, he's got great speed, great athleticism. But I wonder what happens with a guy like Steve Stevens, who's played so much football, who's still getting talked about by the coaches. But if you read between the lines, they also recognize more plays need to be made on the back end of the defense. And Steve Stevens hasn't made a lot of those in his career. So I wonder what a guy like that, what his role becomes, what Jamal Hill looks like moving down to to linebacker. What, what what do you, what do you think of the the safeties room and kind of what to watch for?
1: Yeah. The safeties room is interesting. I think we, we've been talking about it. You know, the people that I like to talk to, you know, I have a bunch of friends that are kind of in the Oregon media space or in like, you know, former players, whatever it is. It's interesting because you have so many guys there, but what are you lacking production? Yeah. Which I think is, you know, what you're looking for. And I, and I think it's why, you know, sometimes people kind of tiptoe around, you know, being critical of, of college players that's kind of something in my career I've been, you know, kind of trying to step into more. It's like, if you're going to be critical, you better have something to back it up. And it's not like I'm trying to go after these guys, you know, we're not trying to, to, you know, put Steve, Steve Stevens, for example, on blast. It's just, you know, he's been there for a while and you haven't necessarily seen the uh, production that you've expected. And that's just the reality of it. So you bring in a guy like Tyson Johnson, who everyone's so excited about, you know, he's a do it all guy. You know, he can play, I think Chris Hampton was saying he can play every position in the secondary, which is, could you know end up being tremendously valuable um you know julio florence is playing some nickel like that's another storyline out of um out of spring ball um and then what does evan williams look like you know they're saying that he's it's i can't remember who was talking maybe it was dante was saying that it feels like you know we just have uh dante manning like we have like bennett still in the room uh because they're brothers so you know what, what does he look like how is he similar to bennett how is he different from bennett um so there's there's no shortage of things to watch there but i think that the the Oregon safeties room even though it's kind of a work in progress right now I think is a way to say um I think that the move to to linebacker for Jamal Hill is is probably a good one um because again he kind of like Steve Stevens is a guy that hasn't necessarily had that much production you know, had the Pac-12 title game against USC where he kind of went off and then after that you would kind of say okay when's that coming back and it, it, it hasn't so maybe you try him and, and he can help with the coverage uh you know shortcomings that that group's had so there's a lot of talent in that safety room, and, and I'm uh, just interested to see how it all shakes out and, and what pieces ultimately come out because you don't come to Oregon as a transfer to sit on the bench. So I right. feel like that that you know tells us that Taishim and, and Evan are going to be playing a a pretty good amount of ball this year.
0: Yeah, I, I think that I think that's mostly true. I, I'm curious how applicable that ends up being to uh, Connor Sully, the uh, Arizona State transfer who was more of a hybrid linebacker safety like Jamal Hill when he was at asu but it looks like he's put on some weight and is going to be almost purely in that in that linebacker role and i i'm i'm curious as to where he fits in but in the safeties room you know i think some duck fans will cringe if you say you know having evan williams there it's like we still have bennett around because a lot of duck fans didn't like bennett williams very much and at least in 22. what? What's that? At least in twenty two, because I yeah, feel like he, you know he yeah, had a pretty good twenty
1: one season, and then he kind of regressed.
0: Yeah, he had some really tough moments in coverage. Here's what I'll say about Bennett Williams, and 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 PFF reflects this. By the way, if you have him down in the box, you need him to make tackles. You need him to. He's not as good in, in in coverage, I don't think, but inside, kind of being a playmaker, being around the ball, making a tackle in space. If Evan Williams is that great, but if Evan Williams wants to, you know, put to rest duck fans concerns and you know, what I'm sure would ultimately be, be hurled his way of just being his brother 2.0 and whatnot. If he wants to avoid that negative talk, he has to be at least a solid player in coverage because Ben Williams too many times last year, just got beat down the field. Cause it looked like he just it looked like he frankly wasn't being put in the right position, you know, where, where he just was not fast enough to keep up with wide receivers. And then you get mashed up with them and man coverage. And that just resulted in him getting exploited. Right. But he did bring a lot of other things to the table. But if, if Evan's more of a free safety kind of guy, whereas Bennett was a strong safety or a nickel safety, I think that lends it lends us to think. And I, and, I, and I'm going to be watching Evan Williams very, very closely in the spring game for sure lends us to think that he, he's he got more high end speed capability and is not as susceptible in coverage.
1: Yeah, no, that, that's a good way to look at it. You know, like what, where, where can he kind of separate himself? And you did a good job of identifying, you know, what, where kind of, where he can maybe fill in some of the gaps in, in Bennett's game and, and where this defense ultimately needs some help um, because it sounds like the defense is, especially in the secondary, really trying to beef up the coverage the best they can. And we haven't even talked about Jordan Birch. The, the edge rusher for Oregon that, you know, could be like, <laughs> yeah. you know, that, that secondary, those corners, you know, to some degree, I don't know if this is going to sound right, but they're probably licking their chops, just thinking about the opportunities that they're going to have, um, you know, with that defensive line group that they have returning. And then with a guy like Jordan Birch coming in, um, we got to see what Mateo can do to shake things up. And and we also have to mention here, even though a tremendous amount of Oregon's 2023 recruiting class is already on campus and enrolled going through spring practice, probably going to play in the spring game there's still some guys that that aren't here just yet. You know, Jurion Dickey isn't at Oregon yet. Um, uh, Blake Purchase isn't at Oregon yet. Roger Mm -hmm. Pleasant isn't at Oregon yet. I hear Roger Pleasant might make a visit this weekend though. So that's kind of cool. But yeah, there's, there's, you know, so much talent and there's still even more coming in and they could also make some noise in the transfer portal. As we've noted before with some needs at tight end.
0: Yeah. I I think tight end particularly. It's a perfect segue into our final point of the day. This question came in from jonathan johnson via the twitter direct messages you can dm me at smalls underscore 55 or at locked on ducks those are the handles drop a question in the youtube comments as well get in the mailbag anytime and oregon fans i swear i don't you know know what the questions get asked on other shows here at the Locked On network but i think oregon's oregon fans ask the best questions just saying i'm just gonna i'm just gonna throw it out there anyway uh, I'll stop kissing, but now, uh, Jonathan Johnson asks, uh, thanks for giving us a breakdown of your Twitter, Twitter handle yesterday. Some of us were starting to question your loyalties with the smalls nickname rumor has it. You were president of the former UW Husky legend, Savelle Smalls personal fan club. After that explanation on the podcast, we know you're fully on board the duck bandwagon. JK love your show, Spencer, by the way, in your opinion, who impacts this year's defense more? I'll pose this to you, Max: Jordan Birch or Justin Jacobs? Ooh, see, that's a really
1: interesting one. I love that question because when Justin, question. when Justin first committed to Oregon, you know, the more people that I was talking to and you know, reading into him, the 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 trait of his game that everyone was honing on was his coverage ability. Um, you know, as a linebacker, um, I think he's like you know six six four two forty ish. Maybe I have to double check that. You know, we won't get height, height and weight until uh, fall camp. But that's a big dude, and for coverage to be something that he can really hang his hat on is huge because, you know, Noah Sewell was huge, but wasn't the best in coverage. Nobody was that great in coverage in that linebacker group last year. So seeing how he can maybe just help the ducks shrink the middle of the field could be huge. But I feel like just when you think about the the absence of a consistent pass rusher, for Oregon last year and how adding him to an already really talented defensive line group, I feel like I want to say Jordan Birch, um, because he's just, you know, he's massive. You know, I think he's like 6'6, 270, uh, is what I saw him at, um, 275 maybe on the South Carolina roster. So we'll see what he's ultimately going to measure in at once he's uh, you know, ready to go for the season. But just adding him as a potential game breaker, trying to get to the next level with with Dan Landing and Tosh Lapoy helping him hone in on his skills, I just think with how much better Oregon's defense could have been last year with a consistent pass rush. I really feel like that's going to help them take it to the next level. So it's a close one, but I, but I think I'm going to have to go with uh, Jordan Birch for that one.
0: I, I echo your thoughts. I lean Birch here, but I would not say that it's a huge gap because Oregon does not have a returning linebacker that we have super high expectations for. I mean, I I still for whatever reason, I still believe in Jeff Bossa. And I think that if he can, you know, adapt to the scheme, get a little bit more comfortable year two in the defensive system, I thought at times he looked like he was a bit lost in coverage last year. But when he makes plays, Jeff Bossa, that is, it looks different. Like it, it looks like he's got that, that twitchiness, that athleticism, anticipation, ability to make play. I think he just needs a little bit refinement there to really make that next step. But Oregon doesn't have Justin Flo anymore, Oregon doesn't have Noah Sewell, and Jacobs will be a guy who I think you know could grade very well uh in in, in this Oregon defense. But I do lean Birch here because he gets paired with Brandon Dorless. And I think that Dorless drawing so much attention in double teams, you know, Birch might draw more double teams. He might draw more attention from the offensive line and whatnot. But regardless, that's going to be an impact that may not always show up on the box score. But if you can make Brandon Dorlis be double team less, that is a boon for Oregon's defense. And and I think that those two together, having them on the field and the, the potential of, you know, if Mace Funa keeps playing at, at the, you know, he was a holiday bowl MVP. If he if he plays at that level consistently and if Mateo starts popping as a true freshman, then you could really have something working there on on the defensive line.
1: Yeah, and and I really like that point that you illustrated, and I feel like that's kind of what I've been trying to say. You know, since Birch committed to Oregon, and you know, talking about next year's defense, it's like you want to be heading into games where your OC can't focus on just one guy. It's like, okay, yeah, we'll, right. we'll we'll shut down doorless great. Well, what about Birch? Or we'll, we'll we'll highlight Birch. Well, what about doorless And then you have other guys like Casey rogers and, and keon Ware Hudson and and Taki Taimani, and then. Who knows if one of if one of these, I think five or six yep. defensive linemen that Oregon signed in in 2023, whether it be Tavita Pome, Terrence Green, Michael Gardner, Amari Washington, is someone I'm super excited about. He's not even at Oregon yet. Who knows if one of those guys is going to break into the rotation? Johnny so Bowens
0: is huge. Johnny had yeah,
1: Johnny Dude. Bowens is already there. Oh, Ashton big. Porter isn't there yet. Did you um, see that
0: picture of the defensive linemen who are there right now? And Bowens was standing on the right.
1: Yeah, no, he's, he's huge, man. And I feel like ever, ever, ever since he committed, I, I was being told, like, that's a guy. I think what I was, you know, he's there physically, obviously, maybe has, you know, some processing and he has to get the defense down. I think that was maybe where some of the, the room to grow is at. But once it clicks for that guy, I mean, there is some seriously high expectations and excitement around Johnny Bowens, the, the second um, at, at Oregon. So I just love the depth. And we didn't even mention Popo. Popo Amavi is back too. Like, <laughs> I mean, that, that, that just tells you how much depth this defensive line has. And I'd be curious if people wanted to comment. Like, I think this has a real chance to be Oregon's deepest defensive line since DeForest Buckner and Eric Armstead. Um, you know, there were so many good guys on that team. And uh, I just feel like the defensive line that we're seeing right now just shows that Oregon is trying to take it up a notch and be different than they've been in the past. And then you're seeing that reflected in the future as well. They already did it in 2023, but look at all those guys we were talking about that are visiting this weekend on the defensive line. And, and that kind of makes, makes a lot of sense.
0: Max Torres covers the ducks for fan nation at sports illustrated. He's at M Torres sports on Twitter. We might have to have that defensive line discussion in the uh, not too distant future. Cause I think that's uh, a fascinating one. I had like three thoughts popping in my head right as you said it. So that'll be a whole other show. Thanks Max.
1: Yeah, no worries. We'll we'll definitely have to hop back on and, and talk that one out. But but thanks for having me and and uh make sure you guys stay tuned in to Ducks Digest for all the latest recruiting coverage. It's gonna be yes, a it's indeed. gonna be a He's fun got one. You.
0: He's got you covered over there. We're talking spring game with Ryan Winter on tomorrow's show. Make sure you tune in for that. Appreciate all you listening. See you next time. Have a wonderful rest of your day and go ducks.